Hello. We will discuss about Genesis chapter 8 and we will begin with the events that is in between the flood and also the events after the flood. So in Genesis chapter 8, it says, it begins with, in verse 1, it says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters waged. And here it mentioned that God remembered. And here it kind of gives another technical term about to describe that God never forgets. Example, can God forsake his own? In other words, can God not remember? But here, if you mention in, it says here, and God remembered Noah. And it's also throughout the Bible, you will see also this word that God remembered. And example, it says that God remembered Abraham concerning Lot and you will see that early on when we start getting into um, furthermore in the book of Genesis and for example if you look at in the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter 19 verse 29 and it says and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the in in the in the city which Lot dwell also in Exodus 2 verses 24 he says the same thing and it says and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob and here it talks about the, uh, the relationship between God and the children of Israel when he says that God remembered the covenant he gave to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And moreover, in 1 Samuel 2, 1 verses 19, in, Sa in 1 Samuel 1 verses 19, he says, The Lord remembered Hena. And I read, he says, and there rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hena, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Now, prior to this, um, Hena made a covenant with God, he entered into a covenant with God. So that's what he says, and God remembered her. So does that mean that God forgets? No. But this is another character of God to describe in a, in a, in a technical term that God is a covenant-keeping God between man and himself. And in God had promised, he has promised something in that covenant. He has made a promise. So the terms remembered is used here in saying that God never forgets his covenant that he made. Same thing here with Noah in verse 1. He says that God remembered Noah. 
Remember, he entered a covenant with Noah. And he says, and every living thing and all, he remembered every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters waged. And in verse 2, it says, and the fountain also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain and the rain from the heaven was restrained. Now, this fountain of deep here, it says, remember in chapter 7, verses 11, it says, the fountain of the deep and the windows of heaven opened, and then the water came down. Now, it's saying that the fountain of the deep, the same thing, and the windows of heaven, now it says, is closed. You see, God now opened the uh, water to rain upon the earth during the time of the flood and here he remembered his covenant and then he closed the fountain of the deep and the windows of heaven and the water ceased he says the water was restrained and in verse 3 and then it says and the waters returned from off the earth continually and after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. So the waters was, was there for 150 days. That's how long the waters were. And the entire earth was flooded with water. Every place, is, there's no, um, nothing else was there. There was no mountain. There was no sea. There was no land base nothing protruding out of the water the water the entire water the entire earth was covered with water and it says that here the waters abated in the word means corsair you see it's, it's corsair in hebrew word it says it means that the water was lessened the water kind of dismissed the water was dismissing and the water begin to decrease and he says and the waters return off the earth continually and after the end of the 150 days the waters were abated and then he says and the ark rested in the 17th in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat Ararat here the mountain of Ararat is in Turkey and it's one of the highest plain in Turkey right now. But here, the Americans call it the Holy Mountain. But here, this is the, where the, water, uh, the ark rested on this top of this mountain. Because now the waters is beginning to get lessened and lessened and, and diminished and decreasing. So it, the ark rested on this, on this mountain, this highest plain mountain in turkey and in verse 5 it says and the water decreased continually until the 10th month in the 10th month on the first day of the month where the tops of the mountains seen now you see in the tops of the mountain because the water is decreasing now and you can see the mountain top and before the water was high and it was deep and it covered the mountains but now you have seen the mountain it says the mountains is beginning to be seen right here and in verse 6 
And it came to pass at the end of the 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and sent forth a raven which went to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Here he, he um, six months after the waters were abated, Kasha or Kase, the waters were lessened, the waters were coming down. Noah opened the window of the ark and here he sent out a raven. And keep in mind, it's important to know that a raven is an unclean bird. So the raven went out and he went, it went to and fro. In other words, he kept going back and forth until the waters were dried up. Until the waters kept drying up and kept getting lessened. But it, it didn't say that the raven returned back to the ark. And it just says that he went to and fro until the waters were abased. And here in verse 8, and it says, Also sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Now, next, Noah sent off this dove, a clean bird. And this dove went out to see if the waters were going to be dried up. And But the dove, it says the, the dove found no rest. There was no place for the dove to land. In other words, the, the, her foot of her, uh, the sole of her foot could not land in any place. And she returned back to the ark. And Noah took his hand and pulled the dove back into the into the ark and then in verse 10 it says and he stayed yet another seven days and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark and the dove came in to him in the evening and lo in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off so noah knew that the waters abated from off the earth now after the event with the dove the first time noah stayed for another seven days and then he sent out this dove again or sent out the dove again and the dove came back with an olive leaf in his mouth so now it tells that the waters have now become ground waters now the dove can find a place to, to land on the trees to to land off and signifying that the waters are now abated and then in verse 12, and it says, And he stayed yet another seven days, and sent forth, sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And after the dove was brought, after the dove had brought back the olive leaf the second time, because the first one, the first time the dove did not found any rest, and came back in the ark. And then the second, second time, the dove returned back with the olive leaf 
plucked out from the tree. And now, after the dove has returned back with the olive leaf, now Noah stayed for another seven days. And then he sent out the dove again, and the dove never came back. And it says in verse 13, And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, and look, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Okay, six months, six and a half months actually has passed now. Noah then removed the covering of the ark, the entire covering of the ark. And in verse 14, he says, And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried up. Now, the, the earth now, the waters are not completely dried up now. And altogether, a year has passed here. So the waters are fully dried up altogether. And in here, in verse uh, 15, and it says right here, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Now, understand this, precious saints, is that it says that God spoke and, and commanded Noah, and here you see another character of Almighty God. And you see that God never speaks in the middle of chaos. God never speaks in the middle of chaos. <clears throat> and we see that later in the event of Abraham and, and Lot. And also if you read more, you can see that event of Elijah and the Baal of the prophets. Um also, in the Lord Jesus Christ's case with the in the Garden of Gethsemane, because in between the storm is the emotion raging. In between our in between the storm is the emotion raging in our hearts, and the devil obviously is speaking to us in between the storm, and he's trying to make us uh, deter from God's will, give up altogether doubt so a seed of doubt but here constant friction constant emotion a lot of actions have been going on between verse uh, chapter 7 here with noah and the flood to here in chapter 8 verse 15 a lot of constant friction have been going on so god here it says he's first of all when god first of all spoke to noah last was in chapter 7 and here in chapter 8 verse 15 he told noah to come out you see and because god is not the author of confusion first god never goes out of character you see his ways are different but his character is always the same and god speaks always speaks again when our obedience is fulfilled and when everything is all dried up, it says, when everything is all clear, when everything is all removed, when the storm is completely uh, still, everything and the storm is over. Here it says that God spoke again. He spoke to them, told them to go into the ark. 
And throughout that, there's been a lot of things going on. But after everything is dried up, as you, as you see right now, it says, And behold, the face of the ground was dried up. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried up. And then he says, after that, And God spoke to Noah, saying, you see, God is not an author of confusion, does not speak out of character, does not go out of character. He's always speaking to us when everything is, when all the, all the obedience is fulfilled. And here he gives us Noah the, sec, uh, the second command. And then we see here in the second command, what he, what he told Noah is in verse 16, he says, Go forth, go forth. Now he's giving him another command. First, he told him to go into the ark. And once he go, went into the ark, he shut the door. God shut the door. And a year has passed now. God now says, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy son's wife with thee. Say, so now go forth. And then he says here in verse 17, he says, Bring forth with thee. Now bring forth, go forth and bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Now he says, take everything out that is flesh, that they will breed and become fruitful and multiply that means to bear fruit to become fruitful to bear fruit and multiply not only in terms of multiplying to have babies or having new young ones or nothing god doesn't need another sinner on earth here bear fruit means spiritually and of course we talk about it in a more, more if he's a creature, but again, with the creature, they are to bear fruit, obviously. They are to produce young ones physically, but more so for human beings, bearing fruit does not mean always the term that we think of it, like having children or bearing children. It means, you know, bearing fruit is, for example, Jesus says that every tree that doesn't bear fruit he cuts down. So that would be contradicting if God says that you have to bear fruit physically. If you don't bear fruit physically, he'll cut you down. No, that's not what God is saying. He's saying every fruit that doesn't bear fruit spiritually, that's what he cuts down. Okay. So he cuts down. That's God's intention. God's intention is for humans to bear fruit and multiply, but also all creatures to bear fruit physically you know physically too to bear fruit and multiply that's also his intention both spiritually and physically and anything that is not fruitful and does not multiply is not god's intention both again physically or spiritually but more so god wants us to bear fruit spiritually and here it says in verse 18 and noah went forth See, Noah obeyed. He went forth and his sons and his wife 
and his son's wives with them. And it says that here he went forth. The word went forth means that he left the ark. He left the ark and every beast and every creeping thing also left the ark. And here leaving the ark is leaving the old ways. God is no longer using the ark. This is the new era now. This is a new era. Go forth means leave the old ways alone and embrace the new and that's what we as believers on christ and we are sometimes to know how to leave the old things god has used in the past and go forth to a new era and go forth with god in other words not going backwards you know no one no one never stayed after this noah and his family never stayed into the ark they never go went back into the ark to to rest they had to leave completely the ark leave it alone and just go forth and that's what the command god has given them he says take everything out and go forth leave the old um old ways and we see here it says in verse 19 every beast every creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark see they left a season of a place and that's the ark now they went into the new age the left and now the new age emerges here and it says in verse 20 and noah built an altar you see after he has built the ark he went forth out of the ark and now he builds an altar unto the lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar see he took every clean beast out of that he had and that he had in the ark now he offered it he offered it this is this is an offering to the lord this is giving god the uh, the first offering you see the sin offering god offered it because he didn't take take it back into the ark or store it. Now he took every clean beast out. He said he took the clean beast, every clean beast out, and he made an offering, offered it, offered a sacrifice. Now the sacrifice here symbolizes and speaks of Christ. Again, we mentioned before with Canaan Abel offering, and God says his offering is to be death death and blood in it you know and here he entered he went out of the ark and then he made an offering to the lord because now he's entering into a new age and then the offering is a sweet savor god's mandate god love that offering you know it's a sweet savor you see that's what he says it's made made a sweet savor offering if you look at Ezekiel 20 verses 41, it says, I will accept you with a sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries wherein ye have been scattered and I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. In other words, I will bring you out. God is saying that whenever we enter into a new era or when, when we enter into a new phase with God 
we are to bring an offering to God. We are to offer God a sweet savor offering. This is an offering that is to please the God, please the Lord, because now we are entering into a new phase. And Abraham did this quite often. Whenever he went into a town, whenever he left or he did anything with God, he made an offering. He made, whenever he entered into a place or a place where God has sent him, he made an offering to God. And that's what Noah did here. And God uh, accepted his offering. You remember when I talked about in back in Cain and Abel, you know, it was in a process of time. Time has elapsed. Then Cain and Abel had to bring an offering. So that's what here happened. Time has elapsed with Noah. He's entered into a new phase with God. And now he made an offering. And God accepted it. And then it says in verse 21, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore from, for man's sake. God says now I will no longer uh, curse the ground for man's sake because of this offering, the sweet savor offering. It's uh, continuing, it says, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. Now, again, the sacrifice here, as I mentioned, points to Christ. If you read um, the word sweet savor, it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 15, it says, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. So this offering is a sweet savor. It says, in them that are saved and in them that perish. Christ is the sweet savor. Every offering, every sacrifice that is made in the Old Testament, in a, in a new, in every dispensation. Because I don't want to talk about Old Testament and New. No, in every dispensation here, this is a new era. This is a new era. And this is an entering into a new era called the Noatic dispensation now he made an offering to god and this offering speaks to speaks of christ this is this points to christ and he says the sacrifice pleased the lord and god withhold his anger He's, he made his wrath cease and then god made a proclamation here he says that man is evil god says now man is evil because before God, when God created man, he created man to be good. Man was supposed to be good. The origin of man was to be good. But now God is now saying that man is evil. Interesting. Look at contrast between Genesis uh, 1, 2. Now you have Genesis chapter 8, God is now saying that man is evil. That means not good. Because why? Because now we have had inherited sins from our forefathers. We are no longer in the image of God. Man is no longer um, in the image of God. Man has now become corrupt. Man's heart has become evil from his youth. When a man is born, he's corrupt. When a person is born in, the, in his womb, he's corrupt because of inherited sins from Adam. And however, man is not redeemable. 
God can redeem man through the blood sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ which he paid as a penalty for our sins and only in that can man be redeemed back to God but from there on if any man is born in his, in, in his mother's womb he is evil his imagination of heart is evil man is continually evil and but man is not irredeemable man can be redeemed by the blood sacrifice of God's son Jesus Christ so in verse 22 and it says while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease now at this con uh, at this juncture God made a promise there's a promise God made here that concerns the earth vitality see he's now saying that the earth is not going to be completely uh, destroyed completely there's still going to be uh, seed time and harvest in earth and cold and heat and also summer and winter and day and night so all this fear about of whoremongering fear mongers that you know saying that there's a global warming that eventually this is going to end that this um there's not going to be any winter summer god promise still stands today and he's going to make it good by giving us giving us a symbol but here god you know recounted his anger understand this that his god's anger went out to destroy the nation to destroy the world to in um annihilate the world but now he he was appeased by what noah did you know as he entered into the new dispensation and then offered a sacrifice because back then the land was cursed and the land now that is cursed is going to begin to yield fruit again because god cursed the land and the land started deteriorating faster but now as uh lamech noah's father when noah was born he said that this noah is the one who's going to uh, stop and he's going to be able to the, the land that god cursed he's going to be able to redeem it so noah is a type of christ you know in other words he's the one that offered this uh sweet savor as a high priest towards god you know, Noah was standing between man and, you know, and offered this um, sacrifice and God appeased his anger and the land ceased from falling apart. So here he has the seasons that came in and it means that the earth was supposed to be fully cursed. But now God is going to let it remain as it, as it is. God says, okay, I'm going to let the earth remain as it is but it's going to be seed time and harvest cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease so we're going to begin again in verse 9 and until then god bless you and hope you well